Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This is a special episode with Alice Jung Klaus. Welcome to Is Told by Nomads. I'm your host, Ty Roxon, and I'm a blogger, digital marketer, and multicultural individual who's lived on four different continents. Listen weekly as I profile people who identify with several cultures and share with you stories, tips, and interviews about how to embrace your global identity and use it to your advantage to live your best life. Let us begin. Wow, 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 wow. Alice, amazing wealth of knowledge. She was just talk. She talked about, you know, what it's like to be a parent in a global environment and the, the approach that she used, the approach that she connects with people, the way that she offers parents to actually connect with their kids were something that I resonated with so much, you know, growing up in different parts of, of, the, uh, of the world. And I think this is a, definitely an approach that everyone needs to really embrace especially in the globalized environment that we lived in. And um, I think you guys are really going to enjoy the value out of this episode because it goes beyond what it's like to be a parent. It's more what it's like to live in the world that we live in today. So I really appreciate Alice taking time out of her busy schedule to talk to me about this. Please check it out, share with friends, and let me know what your thoughts are. Talk to you soon. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have with me the lovely Alice Jung-Klaus. She's uh, talking to me today from Switzerland, and she is a parent coach from Global Parent, uh, Global Wise Parenting. Um, Alice, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tayo. Nice to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on here. So, you know, I did a little bit about the background. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Sure, I'm happy to. Um, I'm Canadian in a nutshell. So my my cultural reference point generally, when people ask, I just say I'm Canadian and they're happy with that answer. Um, <laughs> I imagine you want a little bit more than that. So uh, I can tell you that my main childhood and family upbringing reference points are multicultural. So okay. I think of Cree culture, 
on my mother's side, uh, Igbo culture on my father's side, and Dutch culture um, on one of my step-parents' side. Oh. And uh, yeah, so that's the, the ethnic part of my background. I came into the public Canadian education system, um, obviously as a child, so my reference point broadened, which means, you know, I got a lot of the norms and habits and, and cultural values and beliefs that were part of being a kid in public school in Vancouver, Canada in the 1980s. So that kind of dates me there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then um, after that, I went to university. I went about getting three uh, degrees from the University of British Columbia. So that gives a little information about my um, national educational reference point, having been trained in Canada as an educator. And um, I did a BA in French linguistics, and then I went off to France and Quebec to deepen that knowledge, uh, got the travel bug, came back to Vancouver, and then um, taught for several years in the public school system. And then I got that itch to, to go deeper um, culturally, um, and I love languages. So I accepted a job in Hong Kong. Uh, to work for public schools over there and uh, from there I went to Japan and I taught in international schools, went home, did my master's degree and had my family and then here I am now talking to you from Switzerland um, oh. and I'm glad to be here. So that's a little bit of a journey through my life to the present. Wow, merci beaucoup. Tu as dit quelque chose avant. Um, Est-ce que ton père est... Nigeria is your dad Nigerian? <laughs> oh, you're French speaker too. Okay, rats. No. No, no. Okay, so uh, okay. I, I need so to stop. So we speak in French for everyone, mm. but that yeah, a lot of people ask, is that why you speak French? And it's really exciting to hear that because there's a country next door to Nigeria called Niger, and there are a lot of French speakers from Niger. Yeah. My father, as an Igbo um, from Nigeria, yeah, grew Nigeria. up under colonial rule in British schools, so he actually doesn't speak any French. <laughs> oh no, no. I mean, I, I knew that. See, that see, that was how bad my accent was. I was saying. Nigerian instead of Nigerian, but um, I wanted to say that's good because I when you said Igbo, something clocked because I you know I'm Nigerian, and um, I was like, oh wow, I didn't know that you had some Nigerian in you, so that that's good. So you have, your dad has an influence, some Nigerian influence, but as a British colonial system, just like uh, I guess my parents also had. Huh. Yeah, yeah, and on my mom's side, she had again a colonial experience, but within Canada as an American Indian, she's Cree. Cree, gotcha. Well, I mean that's. That in itself is multicultural. Now, when you were growing up, how did you identify yourself? Were you? I'm, I'm always curious to ask when you know mixed people these questions because I'm always wanting to know what they identify with most, or if they identify with both cultures or all the cultures of their parents. Yeah, you you would have been great as a professor. <laughs> that's that's a really deep question, and I remember a sociology professor during my my uh, university studies asking me that directly. How do you identify? You know, one of those papers in sociology one right. or whatever. Yeah. And it was a great question. I think that was the first time I thought of it. You know, you know, consciously. So um, my short answer is. I go to the national identity, not because it's the most salient, significant one, being Canadian, it is very important to me, but I know that it brings comfort to other people 
when they ask me. And when other people feel comfortable, I find it's easier to relate to them. And if they want to go deeper with me, they can, as you have just asked, you know, how do you identify what's your story? You know, you've got that deeper um, information. Otherwise, I just say I'm Canadian and I'm quite happy with that. If I'm abroad, um, I, if I'm with an educational kind of community, I, I will use the words global citizen, but that's only in a context where people are, you know, moving around the world a lot and also understand the complexity of a sense of home. Gotcha. No, and, and for me, the only reason I asked that is because I'm, I'm, I never, I'm not one of those people that likes to tell anyone that's mixed what they are because I believe that they should say who they are. And it's all, it often bothers me when someone says, no, you're this, you're that. I'm like, you know, you're not them. Let them just... You know, they might identify with a certain culture. You can't exactly force that upon them. So, um, I have a lot of uh, friends that have, you know, come from mixed families, and they're they're always some of them stress this uh, this frustration they have when they think society has placed them in one category, and they feel like maybe they're a little bit of you know both, or maybe an, even another one. So, I appreciate you sharing that. You're welcome. Okay, now you touched on on that a little bit. Your global, you know, parent coach. I'm just curious because you've obviously you've made some a lot of intentional travels and I imagine you deal with a lot of um, parents who are raising kids in global environments. So I, I just want you to talk a little bit about that. You know, what are the different ways parents can raise kids abroad? The the act of parenting is a human act. So because humans are so diverse, there are going to be infinite ways you can parent a child abroad just as you can in your home country or a familiar context. That's that's just the short answer. But you're right, I've been seeing in my work as a parent coach and in my travels and um, my career in education in diverse environments, there, there are certain patterns I've seen that seem to me to be more effective mm. when raising kids in an environment that maybe you didn't grow up in or maybe raising kids as they work their way through a school system that you never experienced or maybe your kids are speaking another language outside the home learning a new language that you don't speak i've just noticed some patterns that seem to make the children feel happier and feel more secure in themselves going forward in their you know their growth into adulthood so i would say one really effective way to raise kids abroad is to be comfortable with yourself as a parent. Mm. It sounds so simple, but it's not easy. When your kids see you comfortable in an environment, even if it's challenging, it indirectly gives them a message that they can do it too. Hmm. No, I, you know, I, th I think that's fantastic because I come from a diplomatic background. A lot of people have, you know, people that are global nomads. Some of them have, you know, they have the intentional travels to people that are, you know, touring the world. Um, you know, for adventure, you have the, the ones that are oil kids. You have all army brats. You have all these sorts of people. And some of them, the dynamics of their travel, you know, keeps them in a circle where they're, they're with a lot of the same people they would be at home. And others enables them to contact uh, the locals and communicate with locals a lot more. So that comfort level for the parent, I imagine, differs depending on the parent's job. So as a kid looking up and growing up and maybe in your formative years, sometimes the kids pick up the, the cultures of the country they're, they're being raised in. So maybe they grew up in five countries from eight to 17. And what happens is that they're not 
they don't have necessarily what their parents' culture is a war, but um, my experience is that sometimes the parents resent that. Or oh, you hit yeah. it. You hit it. Yeah. And it's not something that parents naturally would feel comfortable talking about if they're conscious of it. And if they're not conscious of it, uh, it's also difficult because if they don't know what's causing the stress, they can't address it as effectively. Yeah. And I have worked with parents that are conscious of it, maybe have disclosed to me, you know, hey, I don't like the habits in this area of the world. I don't want my children to pick it up. And they're afraid to share that. Who can you share that with? Mm. Really, without being perceived as someone who is um, prejudiced or racist, it's so easy to assume where a parent is coming from is um, label can be labeled as that. But really, it's just about norms and habits and things that we're familiar with. Um, uh, what you mentioned, you know, growing up around the world in your experience, I think that's so such a good point that you could be also in a little circle of people that are similar to you because of the parent's job. And it might be different than someone who, if you're not a child of a diplomat or working um, in an expatriate environment where there's maybe a lot of oil companies, um, that experience is qualitatively different. And how much contact, you said it perfectly, you have with the locals will influence the degree of challenge for a parent if they are not familiar with the culture or if they have negative perceptions of the, the local peoples. So that that's a, a very unique challenge once you um, go deep. Mm, yeah. And I, no, I, and I agree because I just know with certain cultures, it's you have, whether you, no matter how much you travel, some people will still say you you better not bring this person home or you better not marry that type of person or you shouldn't what this is not how we do things um so i i want to know how parents can encourage kids to actually embrace the multicultural aspect of all the countries they go into well i mean how do you tell parents in an if constantly flat environment and involving world that hey let your kid discover his or herself in this environment and mm. also also educate them about their parent culture or passport mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. Well, I think today it's easier than ever to be to promote that idea of, you know, embrace your multicultural identity because, you know, compare your experience and my experience to people that were transnational 100 years ago or 200 years ago, the world has changed so much. Mass media culture has made it something that you, you have a, a wonderful podcast that you've started to create a voice that it's not an experience that you're alone in. So just by, for example, this podcast, um, having its existence allows people to know that, you know, you're not alone in this. So it's easier to embrace when you can see yourself in others. So that's the first point I would say is to help your child see themselves in others. I was working at a school um, in, a, in a country um, that I won't name, but there was an, a, a woman at the school that uh, had a child that looked a lot like me and she had a multicultural identity, a very young child, and she wanted me to to meet her child. Now the child didn't attend the school. She was in the local culture. So that was interesting to me to see, well, what, why would you want your child to meet me? And, and the point was, she said, it's just so she could see herself in you mm. so that she could see that maybe where she grew up 
looking like me was a negative thing because you can't separate yourself from your environment. But that little action may make a difference in that child's life. And, and that woman was limited because she was not in the international community. She was not globally mobile. She was living, born and raised there. But she had a, um, a multicultural, multi-ethnic child who was visibly different than the local culture, which was more homogenous. Mm. So I thought, wow, okay, these are little things you can do as a parent. She was empowering herself as a parent to find ways to help her child see herself and others in a positive light. So I, I would recommend to any parent, whether you're in an international community or globally mobile through travel or because you live as an expatriate or for any other reason, to look for positive role models for your children. Whether that's through literature, through meeting people, socializing, through the school context or the community context. It's so powerful because as a parent, you're kind of limited in your experience too. Exactly. You need to, yeah, you need to kind of reach out. There's power in the community. There is power there. Hmm. I mean, and first of all, thank you for the kind words. Um, you know, the reason I started the podcast was because I was thinking back to my 13 year old self, and I, I was, I was saying, I wish I'd had something where I could hear stories from other people and see that I wasn't alone. Um, and it's you know, people like yourself that really enrich the experience because you're you're coming on here to to save stories and I couldn't agree with you more. I think what that parent did is very, very, um, very smart. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I was asking you about what it's like being, um, being mixed because with my mixed friends, it's, you know, I, I'm sure you, you're aware of the, the one drop rule. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I, I don't know. I don't know what that, anyways, I could go on, but <laughs> the, 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 the fact is, um, you know, when people are filling out forms here, and um, th there are so many categories, right? So the African mix, whatever, whatever, African-American. Um, and people sometimes, um, my friends tell me how difficult it is to fill out one side because they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily sure if that's the side they agree with, you know? Mm -hmm. And I see it with my um, Hispanic friends as well. But I think it's very, it's very interesting and I think it's very important for people to see that they're not alone and there are other people like them and i think the importance of people speaking out on that is very very um uh can be very profound and can have a profound effect on any young one growing up uh just because you're not forced by what society says you should be you actually just say she's doing it i can be okay with this mix of who i am and that's fine so i, I think that's that's cool mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah, and it's all about, you know, um, acceptance. I, I just heard you kind of allude to that. Acceptance doesn't mean you have to like what's going on in your environment and the social messages. Acceptance can also mean accepting within. That's the most powerful kind of acceptance you can help your child grow towards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just accepting accepting yourself is one of the Easy, one of the most important things and um, best way for you to actually live in the global mind. Because once you're comfortable who you are, it's almost uh, a lot easier for you to deal with whatever the outside you know throws at you because you've already dealt with the inner battles and like you know, I've come across, I've dealt with this. This is fine. If you don't accept me for that, that's fine. But I'm okay with who I am. I'm going to go forward and live my life. I and agree. That's okay. All right. Okay. Now, I'm going to stay in this vein because you, you, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of things you're doing that are making a difference. Um, my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. I'm just curious, Alice, 
What is one way that you use your difference to make a difference? I love your use your difference to make a difference mission. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. It reminds me of like a motto I, I heard from a principal that I worked for a long time ago. And he was really re respected. But his motto was, wherever you go, whatever you do, make a positive difference. Mm. And, it, you know, he tell the kids that. And, and I think if I look at my life, you know, where have I gone? What have I done to make a positive difference? How do I use my difference to make positive change? It's simple. For me, anyone I work with, I bring a kind ear to the experience because we all need that caring person who truly bothers to listen. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And to what we have in our minds and our hearts. Yeah, yeah. And one of the experiences uh, that being a third culture kid or global nomad, anyone that actually is multicultural, is empathy. I think uh, we have the ability to be empathetic just because based on the experiences we have, we, re we relate to many cultures. And it you actually understand why a certain culture might act that way. And it's it's not, um, you know, you, we don't come at it from saying, well, my culture is better than yours. We just say, well, you know, I had a friend that was like that. I had a friend like that. I, life is like that and that's how they do that that's why they do that so uh, when we grow up older it's it's not too strange for us to see maybe someone fasting during ramadan and not eating water or any of that or drinking water or eating food for a certain period of time and it's not so weird or you know or, or, or jew or jewish friends observing the holiday it's just because you already had that background as a kid you had those friends and it's normal to you but maybe not to everybody else mm -hmm. okay yeah, I, I follow yeah yeah all right, now I'm going to transition here to your personal life here. Just how have you done that in your life um, as a wife and mother? What do you, how do you implement all this? Oh, <laughs> the package. How do we do that? Well, I, I consider myself a lifelong learner. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm constantly learning. By no means am I the expert on anything. Even myself, that's really liberating too, because I know that I grow and change. My child grows and change. My friends grow and change. Cultures also are not static. They also change. So I've taken this concept of change into my life and embraced it so that when I like 
face a challenge um, in my parenting or with my partner or with colleagues or with my students who are also going through changes, I can face it knowing that this is a part of life and these are, there are skills that I can develop and there are lessons within these challenges and it keeps me going forward. I have yet to encounter a challenge that I haven't been able to overcome. It doesn't mean it wasn't painful. It doesn't mean it was easy. But often the solutions were simple. No, I mean, I, I agree. I didn't, I, I think we all constantly evolve and even, um, people that are in a marginal society. I think the acceptance that everyone is growing and, and being comfortable with that is, is part of one of the first steps to actually embracing whatever your identity is, because you know, as the world's growing, so are you and you're okay with that. So, um, I think that's. I think it's a good piece of advice there. And I'm glad you're doing that in your life. So, yay. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, I always say this to, to people. I love living in New York City. It's cultural, melting pot, very, very diverse. You know, I hear all sorts of languages. I don't hear as much French as I want to, but I do hear it once in a while. Um, but, you know, the idea of meeting all sorts of people and hearing different accents is, uh, is fascinating to me. And... For me, it's a sense of home. Um, what is it like? What's it like living in Switzerland? Well, my reference point, as I said at the beginning, is Canada. So Switzerland, my perception of it is coming from my experiences in Canada. And I came here deliberately, consciously. It was a dream. Um, I can say that it has surpassed my dream uh, expectation, which I try not to have. <laughs> I had a lot of stereotypes about Switzerland. I mean, I have a Swiss stepfather, but you know, he's a person, he's not Switzerland, he has his own experiences. So I visited as a tourist, loved it and wanted to come back. And uh, that was in 1991, my first trip here. Uh, I moved here uh, three years ago. It is phenomenal. It's multicultural, it's multilingual. Um, I came because I wanted to live in a place that multilingualism was the norm. And it's the norm here. It's hard to, to find that where I could also use English in my job. So English is not one of the official languages, but it's one that a lot of people can speak. But there are uh, four official languages here in Switzerland, which just as a linguist, it makes me really excited. It's clean, it's safe, it's uh, beautiful, unbelievable natural beauty. Uh, I also appreciate some of the unique cultural traditions that occur here, even though they are not ones that I grew up with. So that's a compatibility. I like the food and I like how it's in the heart of Europe. Hmm. You know, I mean, and that's something that I, I, I've noticed with a lot of my European friends because it's, um, you know, south of England, you know, you can get, or even north of England. I mean, you go, if you go up to Sweden or you go up to a country like Germany, a lot of people are multilingual, even Holland. Uh, and then you have people that England might not, English might not be the official language, but you go there and you, you go there with English, you can survive. And then you hear German here, uh, you hear, in Switzerland's a great example. You hear, you have the Swiss German side, you have the, the French German side, and you have another side that they speak another language. And it's, um, it's crazy how everyone just accepts that as a normal life and they just switch between whatever language they're talking to. Um, mm -hmm. and it's I, such a joy. Yeah, and, and they're taught that very, very young too. It's, you know, it's part of the curriculum. So it's, 
oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Italian, and I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna go that. So I think, I think. yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. It's uh, part of the norms. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Um, well, uh, that is definitely gonna help. I think in the um, when whenever people are raising kids there with uh, people dealing with different cultures, for example. So. Well, that was a, that's another point that you brought up, you know, the whole multicultural aspect. You know, I, I did research into the, you know, the tensions that may exist in Switzerland. Every country has tensions with immigrant populations, whether they're global nomads or, um, you know, they're coming by choice or not by choice for safety. And, uh, you know, I was a little worried when I, when I was doing my research because the media can sometimes blow things up and sometimes it's quite accurate. When I got here, I, I looked around and I realized, hey, this is, this is really comfortable as a multicultural family. So I did want to add that, that as a multicultural family that's, you know, multilingual, we are also, an, I'm in a cross-cultural marriage. Um, and my, my son is mixed as well, like myself. He's German and Danish as well as what I am. And uh, it's, it's received here very well by the Swiss. Yeah, it's very, very good. And now I, I agree with you. Language is definitely one way to connect to people when you travel. What is another way to connect to the people when you travel to find that common ground? When I travel, I smile depending on where I'm going. If I, I first of all, I read up what when I'm traveling to an area, and I try to read. Well, first of all, I look at the media. I go on the internet and I try to look at local media in the culture that I'm going to, the country that I'm going to. And I actually look at pictures in advertising because advertising is a wonderful place to examine hidden cultural values. Yes. Uh, I look at the faces. I look at, you know, I'll try to find like a commercial and YouTube is great for that for research. Look at the facial expressions that are considered positive in the media made by that country. Wow. And that's a clue when I go, okay, how can I conduct myself in a way that's going to be inviting to the local people and seem kind of as more normal? Now, if I go into my de facto Canadian um, big smile from Vancouver to people I know, um, more kind of a friendly smile to, you know, the person next to me who makes eye contact, it may not work in other places. I may find that the smile is, is suspicious. You may find that in advertising or in commercials, you just kind of study like a student and, and you learn so much. Then I also read books that are current or magazines or reviews by local people just to see what the current um, opinions are about you know social life. Just simple light things. That gives me a lot of information to go in um, to behave in a certain way. You blow it sometimes because you can misinterpret it, but sometimes it's really helpful. No, I mean, I was I was trying to contain my excitement there because I'm getting my MBA right now, and one of the classes I take, and I'm currently taking, is, is called Multicultural Marketing. And we talk about the different ways you can actually, marketers can reach out to people by understanding the norms. So you would market to Hispanic American differently than you would market to an Asian American or, you know, uh, an African American, and it's it's understanding the norms. You can't just go and put a one size fit all commercial and expect them to resonate with that. So of course not. Just yeah. like a certain fast food chain, which I will not name. Yes, you can go all over the world and you look at the menu. You go, hey, we don't have that in our country. Is a classic example. Yeah, and that's because the people have different tastes and orientations than you do as far as food's concerned. Yeah, fast food. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> One of the good things that I've noticed uh, that some some fast foods have learned maybe from that or the fast food that we would not name, but 
um for example when i go back home to nigeria you know i see uh i'm not familiar i'm not sure how familiar you are with nigerian food but you know you can have like you know eba or something else there a nigerian cultural food in the menu and it's part of the food and i, I know in china as well and in india where some of the food don't go with the the hindu practice yes, so that they they have substitutes there so they might have fish or something else and people are starting to really understand that um even people are putting people that embrace families differently so sometimes in america maybe there's that one two family system two kids but now you have people who have a group of people all sitting and laughing together and it's like five to seven people in the family and they're all laughing and just enjoying <laughs> the it. dynamics and it all depends on where you're from so i think that is very smart and i've never had any of my uh any of the previous guests say that um that's something that's really really true i i, I didn't even think about that until you said it it's well, looking I'm so glad you, you're you're noticing and studying it in your marketing class and i think marketers are, are wise to go this route because it's about meeting people's needs as long as it's not manipulative i'm all for it yeah no it's uh, <laughs> it, it it you're right i'm that's my my you know, at heart i'm a marketer but it's one of the reasons i love doing that is the way you can reach people and i think People that are, you know, not going this route are the ones that often get that, you know, strategy wrong. Because there was a commercial with a guy holding, uh, I can't remember what company it was, but it doesn't even matter because I don't want to say the company's name anyway. But <laughs> he, he had a, so it was, it was a black guy um, with a clean cut hair, uh, shaven, and then he had the head of a guy with an afro. Um, and then I think the tagline was like, be civilized Ooh, <laughs> yeah oh yeah goodness. and 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 then they put this out and they didn't think oh, I, I, I was awful. i was like wait, wait what do you mean are you are you trying to say that but and then it was another one for you know different um races but i, I was it was curious some of the things that we see in the class it was like people actually put that out there because they're not actually sure how to interact with that culture so yeah. Yeah, you know, media media is has always been like so far as we've had newspapers, television, and now the internet, which is taking things to a, a new level at a faster pace. These images, and is it you know, it's the chicken and egg question: Are those images representative of reality, or are those images representative of the people who created them with their limited understanding and beliefs and values? Things are changing, and, and we can have more opinions about what comes out, and we can participate as global citizens and say, hey, that's inappropriate. And we're seeing more of that now, and I think marketers, like you said, are getting sharp with uh, how they meet the needs, the human needs of people while still making profits, which are a part of life. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree, I and mean, I definitely think that that's the best way to go. So, boom, boom, boom. Fun questions. I'm going to ask you. This is sure. rapid, rapid fire. Get to know Alice questions here. So, Alice. Yes. Out of all the countries that you've been to, which is your favorite? Oh, it's got to be Japan. Japan, Tokyo. Um. No, I love the the ramen in Fukuoka, southern Japan, uh, and the gyoza, handmade gyoza there are. To die for and yakiniku. I, I just I have flown back to Japan <laughs> just to eat. Okay, so that's an easy uh, one. <laughs> okay, well, I was gonna ask you what your favorite, you know, which country had the best food is, but if you're flying back to a country to eat, 
I'm going to say that Japanese is probably your favorite food. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about, um, you know, music in terms of music? You know, when I travel, I don't engage with music um, very often. Um, I, in Japan, it's not Japanese music. It was uh, Latin American music that I got exposed to because I learned salsa dance in Japan. So it's really not Japan has the best music. It's more, wow, I discovered what you listen to when you dance to salsa. I had uh, some wonderful Colombian teachers and Cuban teachers in Japan teaching me. Uh, so that's, again, a, a hint at the global environment you're talking about. You can be learning salsa in Japan what, or learning like, how to speak French in Hong Kong. Wait, 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 wait. You learned salsa in Japan? Oh, yes, I did. And that, uh, I learned well. That is so amazing. That, that, I mean, that just exemplifies who you are as, as a person. That is so insane. Wow. Okay. I love the global world. <laughs> oh, wow. What about movies? Do you do you, I know I music? I love cinema. Oh, so, I love cinema, uh, and I would say French cinema. Uh, I've been watching French cinema, by and large, since I lived in Vancouver. Film Fest, okay, where are the French films? If I'm in Zurich, we have the Zurich Film Festival starting. I'll be looking for the French films. And uh, same in Hong Kong, they, they had a, a French film festival. I don't like all French films, but I sure do like a lot of them. No, I mean, that's good. I wanted to ask you that, because I obviously, I, you know, I... My French, I don't get to practice a lot. And then one of the ways you practice, obviously, is by watching French media or whatever language media. Where can you find French media? Because I would certainly pre this might be a little bit of a selfish question but um <laughs> yeah yeah easy easy if you want to get some great french media remember i'm a former french teacher head to your alliance francaise in new york i bet you the new york area will have um, an amazing multimedia connect collection when i was in hong kong i would send my students to get a membership at alliance francaise it's an international organization and they have them in major cities around the world and there's usually a, a library associated with the Alliance Française, and you can sign out movies for free and DVDs. It's fabulous. Done. Alliance Française. All right. I'll do, yeah. that. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, all right. Now, this is the last couple questions. Friendliest people. Which country has the friendliest people? Totally biased. So I'm going to admit, I say Canadians. <laughs> no, I mean... I'm so selfish, and I'm being totally ethnocentric, but... It's probably because I'm familiar with them, so it's totally biased. I, you know what? I don't think that's a bias. I think that's a, almost a stereotype. I don't. I think a lot of people will say that. Like, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would say that's ethnocentric because everybody always says, you know, how Canadians are very nice and all that. I haven't been there yet, but it's just no. Well, please it. go check it out, and then yeah. you can get back to me and let me know how no. nice it was. <laughs> One of my best friends and and mentors is you know he's Canadian, uh, Canadian American, and uh, he's just the nicest guy in the world so um i'll definitely definitely go all right and then this the last one here is there was a country what country everybody has that country where they they had a certain stereotype about it before and then they went into it and they were like hmm maybe it's not what i thought it was Mm. which was yours yeah, we're back to Japan. Uh, I love the food. Yes, I've gone back to eat. But my impressions when I lived in Vancouver, having you know taught a lot of students in the Japanese community in our schools and 
you know, uh, eaten in Japanese restaurants, that's certainly not an understanding of the culture. So when I went from uh, Hong Kong to Japan, very ignorant of the cultural differences, I, I had a lot of culture shock. I, I toughed it out. And I did the work, and I'm in love with Japan. I just have learned a lot about myself, about my assumptions and my stereotypes. How wrong was I? Hmm. That's good. I'm, well, I'm definitely glad you got to be educated. The only part in Japan that I've, I've been privileged to go to is Tokyo, and that was the airport. So I'm, I feel on that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was on, on route, so I need to get out there more. Um, um, just to meet with the people and connect. Oh, do so. Wonderful, wonderful country. Well, I can't tell you how much fun I've had, Alice. This has been amazing. You shared so much knowledge about, you know, just what it's like to be a parent in a, in a global culture and just understanding, you know, different ways to connect to people. And I really, really appreciate the insight that you shared. So thank you so much for that. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to us told by nomads. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher and subscribe. Also, be sure to head over to my website, tyroxin.com, to subscribe for more updates and tips on how to navigate the world and check out some of the other things I'm doing. Till next time, remember, home is not necessarily a physical place. It is wherever you most feel comfortable. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.